we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, good morning to you. Yeah, so disgusting. I know, I know, I know. Hey, before we get in this morning series. I want to thank you for being here. By the way, I realize that many of you, um, I don't thank you enough for being here. I, I, I want you to know, I don't take for granted the fact that you get up every morning and you get ready to come, to come be part of this community. And so I just want to thank you for doing that, taking time out of your day to be here. We're, we're so excited about you being here. Uh, one of the things that we're trying to do is to create a culture that we're excited, we're joyful about what Jesus is doing. And it's funny because in our leader meeting this week, we gathered on Wednesday at our leader meeting uh, to talk about the table and where we're heading, what we're doing. And when I was talking about what we're celebrating, everybody did one of these numbers. Like a golf clap or like you were like a, you know, University of Illinois football game or something like that. And then I said, hey, what happens when you're at the Cubs game or you're a Cubs fan? And everybody started screaming and yelling and clapping. And then, of course, I said, what about a White Sox fan? Everybody's clapping. And so, you know, like I was just a little disappointed that we get pretty excited and we'll stand on our feet for a baseball team that nobody really cares about. Um, But when God's doing work, I mean, we'll just give them a golf clap. So this morning, I want to celebrate a couple things before we begin. And I would anticipate a ginormous roar before we begin. How's that sound? All right, here we go. You ready? Uh, One of the things that I want to celebrate is last week we talked to you about our new uh, uh, spiritual journey called Rooted that we want all of our leaders and everybody to go through uh, because that really is the next step in getting you into small groups. And 20 people last week decided to sign up, which I'm going to celebrate that. Yeah! Larry! Yes! 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 In addition to that, one of the things I love, too, is that we had our meeting. Many of you know we're moving. We're starting a new church called The Table. And some of you... Hey, welcome back from Florida, Dan. Um, One of the things that was great is we met with our designers and they gave us paint colors. And so we actually start painting the building this week and we start moving in with new designs and everything else this week, which we can celebrate that. That's good. Yeah. All right. I love, love. Go paint. Go paint. I'm celebrating it more than you know. Well, we are in part two this morning of this series, Grow Up, and we started it last week when I told you about my uncle, who, when I was a kid, we were on a, on a vacation on a lake, and he thought it would be really cool for all the kids to watch him stick a ginormous puffy Cheeto up of his nose, and he like would swirl it around, and we'd all go, ew, and then he'd pull it out, and then he'd, and he'd eat it. And of course, all the kids thought that was really cool, and the adults were like, come on, man, you need to grow up. And... Um, I said last week that not intentionally, but myself and you, we often find ourselves in the corner spiritually with Cheetos up our nose. Like, we don't mean to be that way, but a lot of times we just never grow up in our faith. And so we are spending four weeks talking about what does it look like for us to grow up. And today is going to be a fun one. I'm pretty excited about it. So would you pray, not yawn, pray for me this morning as we begin. Lord, we do give thanks for this time. And for this opportunity to discover your word, we just pray that this would be life-changing for us as we become better people for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I know that I had a good start to the week when after that long meeting with our designers, I received this text message from my wife on Monday. On Monday, this is how we started. She said, maybe we should put the boys to bed early tonight. Smiley face, two I heart marks. And I know some of you, come on, grow up, get out of seventh grade. We've been married 15 years. And I know that means tonight is bachelorette night. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we're putting the kids to bed early tonight and we're gonna grab some unhealthy snacks and we're gonna sit on the couch and we are gonna watch The Bachelorette. I love, I don't know about you, I don't care. You can take my man car right now. Uh, I love, love, love sitting there talking about these people who say the dumbest things that you've heard for the last 15 years on the show. So we love making fun of them and then uh, we, we would talk about what we would say if we were on the show that would be original, which you know isn't original anyway. So it's a really, really good time. I was really excited when I got that text message. And so I sent her this bitmoji in return. I said, you wildin'. And, <laughs> and I'm driving, you know, all back from this meeting. And so I, she texts me back and she says, ha ha, aha, I don't even know what that means. Smiling cry face. And I said, me neither. But it really sounded appropriate. <laughs> and, and so I'm realizing, uh, I really don't know what that means either. And I thought, what in the, what in the world? What if uh, I sent something that was inappropriate? Like, what if I would have sent that to Todd or to one of Todd's friends or one of our staff members or maybe my friends? Or what if I sent it to my mom? I mean, apparently they make inappropriate bitmojis. And so what if I would have sent that not knowing that it meant something that I didn't know it meant, you know? And so I was worried about this because I'm like, I need to know what you wildin' means. And so I look it up, and so I got to my old trusty, reliable Urban Dictionary, which is so helpful, by the way. I love that thing. Uh, in fact, I just, you know, I resource it all the time. And so I type in you wildin', and, and really what that means, and of course I know my students already know this, but maybe you don't, it means something crazy or extreme. Like to do something crazy or extreme with your friends. So, you know, welcome to the Thompson household on a Monday night, you know, uh, bachelorette and, you know, unhealthy snacks. Great time. We're extreme and crazy on Monday. Uh, but I say all that to say, like, there was this panic that set in when I didn't know. And what's really cool I've been thinking about this week is we live in a time, and I'm so thankful for it, I don't ever want to go back to the old days. I love that in our day, we have content, we have information, we have anything available to us at any minute, at any time. I mean, it's right there at the tip of your fingers. You want to know how to, how to bake a sweet potato? You don't need to go into your grandma's cookbook or your recipe book and look up the time and temperature. By the way, it's 350 degrees for 45 minutes if you want to know. But it's right there on your phone. You just Google it right there. I mean, NBA Finals game. I know we had a leaders meeting, and I know some of you don't even care about the NBA like me, but some of you really do care. And what's great is you can go to your ESPN app, and you can access that right away. Some of you are probably even watching during the meeting, which is kind of crazy to think that you could watch a game on your phone in the middle of a meeting that you could care less about. Um, Alexa, right? The weather, when you get up in the morning, you want to know what the weather's like, and so you just ask Alexa, and she talks to you and listens to you, by the way, which is kind of creepy. Uh, but yeah, you can ask her the weather, and she'll tell you what the weather's going to be like. My son, my son, for his birthday, we got him a ukulele. And I don't play, I play guitar, my wife plays the cello, and we realized we got him an instrument that neither of us knew how to play. <laughs> so we got on YouTube and Miss uh, Cynthia Lynn's music. If y'all don't know this, check this out. Uh, she taught my son in less than a few hours how to hold the ukulele, 
how to tune the ukulele and how to play three notes. And so like within a couple hours, this kid was strumming away on a ukulele, which was a lot of fun. And so what's really cool is in our day and age, we have access to anything at any point, anytime. I mean, think about this. There is, there is nothing that we really don't know or you can't find the answer to. I mean, I think about this. If for some reason a plane was going down, you could probably resource somebody or there is somebody on the plane when it's going down who knows what they're doing. I mean, it's crazy to think that. But we live in an age where we know virtually everything that we want to know when we want to know it. And then we struggle with this tension, right? Because you know and I know that if you live for any minute in your life, there are these moments far and few between where you realize that you genuinely don't know. Right? I mean, there's, there's nothing on your phone that can help you. There's no Google algorithm. There's no wisdom that your parents can give. There's no prescription from your doctor. There's no suggestions from your friends that they could give you that would solve the problem or solve the issue that you have in that moment. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. Whenever we're faced with those moments where we don't know, it always comes back to God and faith. See, I don't care if you're an atheist, agnostic, you consider yourself religious, you follow Jesus, you don't follow Jesus. At the end of the day, when you genuinely don't know, we start questioning, why would God? Is God? Does God? Does he exist? Like we start asking. It always comes back to faith and God. And here's what I know. Because of our culture, we've created this time where we want to know everything. And in our hearts and our souls, we are not okay when we're uncertain. We love certitude. Here's what I know, and this is the tension. This is what you wrestle with, and this is what I wrestle with every single day is when we face these kind of situations. We don't know what to do when we don't know. You ever been there? We don't know how to control ourselves. We don't know how to take care of ourselves. We don't know how to posture ourselves when we don't know what to do. And so today, I want to look at a few words given by a guy named James, who, by the way, James, his life was defined by, I don't know. If you didn't know this, James was the brother of Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. The historical Jesus walked on this earth, and people followed him. James was one of those people. But the crazy thing about James is James had so many questions about his brother Jesus. I mean, Jesus is saying, hey, by the way, I'm the Messiah, and I'm going to save you. And James is saying, you're my brother. No, you're not. I beat you in tag. I beat you in a foot race. There's no way that you're the Messiah. And so James spends his entire, Jesus' entire ministry questioning whether his brother was actually God. And so today he writes out of this understanding that there are times in life where we genuinely don't know. And we don't know what to do when we don't know. And so here's what James begins to do. And it has to start up from last week. Um, he says this. Remember last week, he greets everybody. He says, welcome to the party. Thanks for following Jesus. And then he gives us this wonderful advice. He says, consider it a gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. In other words, consider it joyful and exciting when you are under pressure and you're in over your head. You all ever been in those moments where you're in over your head? He says, hey, this is the best part of following Jesus. You will always feel like you're in over your head. And he continues and he says, don't try to get out of this. Because people who try to get out of situations where they feel like they can't get out or they don't know what to do, 
they find themselves, and he says this, deficient in their faith. They actually are really immature, and they never grow up. When they're constantly asking to be taken out of the problem they face, we find that they will never grow up. And so James kind of just sums it up, and he says, hey, I don't know if you know this, but when you follow God, you need to buckle up because it's surely not going to be boring. And even better, you will always find, if you're truly following Jesus, you will always find yourself in these moments where you genuinely, genuinely don't know what to do. And so he says, I know you're asking the question, what do we do when we don't know what to do? And so he starts it out by saying this. He says, if you, if you don't know what you're doing, and then he pauses. He's looking at you and he's looking at me and he says, if you find yourself in this situation where you don't know what to do, and then he pauses because he wants you to just wrestle with it for a minute. He wants you to sit at your edge of your seat because he's, you know he's got the answer. You know he's going to tell you what you're supposed to do. But he wants you to wrestle with it because what he does is so crazy in his writing. See, I know that you guys are scholars. Can we go to school for just a minute? I know y'all hate school. Can we go to school for a minute? Is that okay? She's shaking her head no. All right, just hang with me, all right? Cameron, I'm going to come talk to you this morning. I'm just kidding. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to school for just one second. One second. When James writes, I know you guys are Greek scholars, and don't go to sleep because this is so important. Uh, when he says, you don't, if you don't know, we would know because we're scholars. We'd say, oh, yeah, James would use the word gnosko. Turn to your partner. Say the word gnosko. Come on, you can say it. Gnosko, right? Tell them to wake up. This is important. Gnosko. You would, you would know that that's what he would put in there, but it's interesting because James is like, no, no, no. It goes way deeper than this. And so he puts this heavy, this weighty word that, that would really grab our attention because it's more than just not knowing. In fact, he uses this wonderful word called, say it with me now. Come on, a little bit louder here. Sophia, that's right. And you'd think, oh, what a cute little girl's name. No, but it, what's crazy is, you know this, this is where we get our word philosophy. And James wants us to understand, see, you, you know, freshman year of college, you remember this, or soon you'll be in freshman year of college and you'll go through philosophy class at 8 a.m. It is the worst class in the world. You'll want to sleep and take a nap because it's boring. Uh, but philosophy is about having these deep discussions about nature and uh, existential questions on why the earth is the way it is and why the world is the way it is. But here's what we also have to think about when it comes to philosophy. That philosophy is interested in systematically putting the world together. That if we can put the world into box, boxes and grids, into equations, that it doesn't matter what you go through, we can somehow work through it and systematically solve it. So when James writes this, by the way, Aristotle and Plato and all these guys lived like 600 years before James. James is taking a pot shot at them when he puts this word in here. He's saying, I know what they've said before. I know what the great philosophers have told you about life and how you'll experience it and what you're going to go through and some of the questions that you can wrestle with. But he says, there will be times where you cannot systematically produce an answer to your problem. Like, there's going to be time in your life where you can't sit around and debate with people to come up with an answer. 
Like, there's going to be times in your life where you genuinely don't know what to do because you don't know. And here's what I do know. This last week I gave this challenge to people at the end to walk out and answer four questions, which I'm not going to ask how many of you answer the four questions because my leader service, not one person raised my hand. It just so broke my heart, my goodness. Um, but yeah, we answered four questions this last week. And I'm sitting down answering this question, what is my uh-oh kind of moment in life? What is my in-over-my-head moment? And you remember the second question. It was, what is this, what does this teach me about God? And at first I was going to write, this dude's a glutton for punishment. Like, he just loves making life miserable for us. But then I begin to think about it just a bit more, and I realize, no, when we start following God, it gets pretty exciting. It gets pretty crazy. It's pretty frustrating. It's, it's kind of a, a, a faith where we don't have a lot of answers to it. And what I've learned, and I don't know a lot, but what I've learned is that when you are following God, often you will find yourself in times where you don't know what to do. Like, when you are following God, let me tell you this, you know you are following Jesus. You know that your life is in the right place when you genuinely don't know what to do. And I know you're there because I had a wonderful lady this week talk to me, and she said, Pastor, your message last week, I have all these people in my life who, they're like the thistles and the weeds you were talking about. They make my circumstance, my life, it's just difficult and hard. And by the way, she is probably the best reflection of Christ's love to these folks. But she looked at me and she says, I don't know what to do. And James knows that about you and about me. And so he says this, he says, if you don't know what to do, pray, pray, pray to the Father. And you're like, oh my goodness, what a churchy answer, bro. We know that. We've been doing this our whole lives. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a minute. And it's not going to be as churchy as what you think. I think you'll get pretty excited about what James has to say. But before we do, before we begin this conversation with God, he wants us to understand the person that we're talking to. And he knows that we struggle with this, so I'm only going to stick here for a minute. But how many of you in life have ever been humiliated? How many of you have ever been made fun of? How many of you have ever felt like in this moment where it was just like your soul was just crushed? Yeah, all of you. You know what it's like? Everybody says, I don't care what I look like. I don't care about fashion and all that stuff. Yes, you do, because when you show up to an event, when you show up to school, when you show up to a party, and you're dressed in less than it's, that's, than it's expected, right? Everybody's not expecting that you would be there. In fact, you've had people come up to you and say, uh, what are you doing here? Right? You've had that before. We, we've had these realizations or these epiphanies in our life where we understand that perhaps we're not the best player on the team, we're not the best performer, we're not the best staff member, we're not the best, like we realize that we're just average and maybe below average, and we know that we're kind of holding the team back and everybody's eyes are on us. And when their eyes are on you, you feel like about as small as you could ever be in life. You ever failed somebody before? You ever failed something? I mean, how many of you have failed something? I've failed lots of tests in life. Everybody has failed something. Failed marriage, failed relationships, failed friendships. I mean, you've had this in your life. And when you fail at those, people have a way of making you feel about this big. 
right? You've had somebody come up to you and say, wow, congratulations, you really messed that one up. And you feel like your human soul and your life is about this big. And I think often, see, James knows this about us. Often when we approach God, when we don't know what to do, this is how we feel, how God feels about us. Like when you show up and you start talking to God and you admit that you don't know what to do, God's like, great, I'm going to show you how small you are. And James says, come on, just, just one minute, watch this. He says this. He said, no, your father, your God loves to help you. You'll get his help, and guess what? You won't be humiliated. You won't be made fun of because you don't know. You won't be condescended. He says, guess what? When you ask for it, he wants to help you. See, we've got this view that God is this big ogre who just loves letting us know what kind of small people we are, and he may or may not answer our prayers depending on how we ask. And so we get to be these little people who always walk up to him afraid to death. And James says, I'm sorry, but I've walked with this God, and I've watched this Jesus. And what I've learned from the life of Jesus is that he loves to help people. What, what good does God get if he humiliates you? Don't you understand that God, it is his mission to honor you and to help you and not to humiliate you. See, this is what's great. If God honors our life, if he helps us in our life, then what does that say about God to other people? That he is good, that he is loving, that he is gracious, that he wants the best for you, that he's created you for something, and ultimately God wants you to step into whatever he has created you for. And James says, now that we have that out of the way, and now that we know that you don't know what to do, and now that you know that we need to do the religious thing and pray, he says, I want you to pray in a way like you've never prayed before. Now listen to this. James says, ask boldly. He says, ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. I love that he puts a second thought in there. How many of you have ever, I think we treat Jesus and God like a junior high guy or a junior high girl that we want to ask out. Second thoughts, right? You've done this. Uh, instead of asking in front of all your friends, you write, you guys ever do this? You write little notes to somebody and you, you say, will you go out with me? And the reason why you write a note is because you're uncertain of the answer that you're going to get from them because you, you're not really sure if they got feel. What's that? What did she say this week? I got feels for you. I don't know whatever that means, but feelings, I suppose. Um, I got real feels. That's what she said. Um, the Bachelorette. Did you see what you learn when you watch The Bachelorette? <laughs> but you write notes. You write notes to them because you're uncertain of their answer. And you put check yes or no, and you know if they check no that nobody will ever know that you sent that note to them. And I love James because he says, hey, when you talk to God, the one who wants to help you, I want you to ask boldly and believingly without a second thought. He continues it. He says this. He says, here we go. He goes, he says, people who worry their prayers. In other words, people who junior high Jesus 
are like wind-whipped waves. He says, don't think that you're going to get God's help. Don't think you're getting anything from the master adrift and see and keeping all your options open, right? Because you know this, when you write a note to somebody and nobody else knows that, then you have the opportunity to write somebody else a note because nobody else knows that you asked that person out. So you're like, I'm playing the game. I know what I can do here. And what's interesting is James wants to give us this picture where we literally walk across the playground, we walk across recess time, and you walk up to that person in front of your friends, in front of the school, and you say, hey, Janelle, by the way, that's my wife, I say, hey, Janelle, go out with me in front of everybody, asking confidently and boldly, knowing that she's going to say yes. Thank God she did. But you see what we did there? When I went up to her, I didn't say, will you go out with me? I said, go out with me. I demanded it. And here's what's so cool. This whole phrase, pray to your father or ask your father, literally means demand it. I don't have it up there, but you should write that down because it's so good. When he says, ask or pray to the Father, it literally means demand it from him. Demand it. There are two, two types of people in life who demand things. People who are entitled and people who are in charge. And people who are entitled expect without experience. And people who are in charge expect because of their experience. And I love it because James says, you have the opportunity to have a relationship in an experience with God, and now you need to approach him confidently. And here's what I need you to know today. If you haven't heard anything today, this is what I want you to get. How we talk to God is who we expect God to be. How we talk to God is who we expect God to be. Now, this is really important. I know some of you have been in church for a long time, but this is groundbreaking. Can I, can I tell you that? We're cutting edge this morning on this thought. <laughs> Maybe not. But we are busy praying entitled prayers. And here's what I know. When we pray entitled prayers, then God is nothing more than a manipulative genie who just raises a bunch of spoiled, snotty brats. But when we pray confident, bold, expecting prayers. When we pray mature prayers, when we grow up, then we expect that God will do something amazing. That God will confidently walk in your life. Quit praying entitled prayers, my friends. Quit praying that God would get you out of whatever you are in. Step into that moment. The moments where you aren't sure what you're supposed to do, step into that moment, and I want you to ask God boldly to give you the confidence to live in that moment. Listen, there are hard parts of life, and that is part of knowing who God is and how he shows up. So ask boldly. This is what I want you to do this week. In addition to going back, listening to the message from last week and answering the four questions, 
This week, I want you to ask boldly. And here's why. In my Bible, I, uh, well, let me say this. I'm really not a wordsmith, and I really often don't know how to talk to God. And so what I do in my prayer time is I pray the Psalms because often uh, the psalmist is able to say things to God that I would never think of or dream of. And so it's very helpful to me. But this week I was in my prayer time going through this and, and this sticky note has been in my Bible for almost two years now. And it says, you don't know the power within you because your faith is too small. Believe. I love that. You don't know the power within you because your faith and my faith is too small. Believe. I was going to write on that sticky note, and eventually I did. I was going to write, I believe, June 6, 2019. And as I sat there and I went to put my pen to the paper, I realized, Brad, you're not certain if you believe. Can you believe? I know I'm a failure as your pastor. I'm admitting. I'm admitting that most days on a good day, I'm 51%. <laughs> I'm a 51% follower of Jesus. And for about a half an hour, I stared at that sticky note and I was wrestling with this question. Do you really believe that Jesus walked the face of the earth, that he preached about this thing called the kingdom of heaven, where he went around and he did these crazy, un, un, unthinkable things with people, and he helped them in ways that we, like most people wouldn't, and then he dies on the cross, and then he resurrects from the dead. Do you believe that? And then it was almost like God was saying, hey, you have access to the power of the resurrection, but the reason why you aren't asking for it is because you don't believe it. And I felt like God's just saying, ask boldly. Pray the biggest prayers that you can pray. So let me just say this, if you're followers of Jesus, quit praying entitled prayers. Dear God, help me with. Dear God, take away from me. Dear God, get me out of. No, no, no. God, give me confidence. God, give me boldness to step up and talk to that coworker. Give me the confidence when my friends are with me and they're doing things I know that they shouldn't, that I would lovingly stand next to them, but not participate with them. Give me strength. Give me power to change the world. For those that I know get it, I get it. Some of you here this morning are like, I don't believe in God. I also prayed that prayer to God a long time ago, the one that you're about to tell me about, and uh, my life never changed. Can I just say, here's why you're never changed? Remember, how we talk to God is who we expect God to be. And so if you started this prayer with, God, I'm sorry, then your God is sorry. If you start your prayers with, I'm so sorry, then your God is so sorry. Not like feeling bad for you, like that's not a God worth following. But when you say this, if you're in a place where you don't know and you don't understand and you say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus will give you all of his life.
when you say, Jesus, I give you all of me, even though I have no clue what it's going to look like or how it's going to work out, I can assure you, because of how you talk to God, Jesus will give you all of him. And so this morning, if you close your eyes with me this morning, some of you here need to pray that prayer. You just do. And don't start by saying, God, I'm so sorry. In fact, in this moment, in this moment, and there are some of you here who would say, yeah, I'm kind of a nominal follower. Stop following. And in this moment, I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I give you all of me. I give you my life. Lord, I pray that in this moment, whoever has prayed this prayer, they would have a peace about knowing that you will give them all of you. And that following you doesn't mean that we get more answers. It doesn't mean that we understand more or that we have this greater wisdom. It just means that we are tapped into a power that is beyond who we are. And this is what you have made us for. Lord, I pray that if we're not challenged, if we're not moved, if we're not broken, if we're not doing something that's exciting in our lives, that that would change and that we would begin to pray bigger prayers in our lives, that we would begin to think about bigger dreams and bigger things that you would call us to. Lord, I pray that we would talk to people the way that you see them. That when we talk with people, we would have confidence and we would ask boldly and we would talk boldly in a way that they would know, hey, this guy, this gal is confident. And they must follow a God who is confident who's there to help, who's there to love, and who's there to extend his grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray that. Amen.